0: Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We really are thankful for you listening today. We appreciate it very much. Hope you'll stick around till 10 o'clock Eastern Time. We'll be on the air till then. We Are Just Christians is usually a live call-in show, but today it's not a call-in show. I had to be out of town today, so we recorded this show a few days ago. And if you get confused on us talking about today or this afternoon or whatever it may be or listen to the show next week, and we even recorded this before last week's show because of timing on that. So in other words, uh, be patient with us. We're not trying to fool you. This is a this is a recorded show. So I'm not going to give you the numbers to call in. If you'd like to reach us though about the content of this show, I will give you some contact numbers you can text today or email. If you'd like to respond to the show today or sometime during the week, you can text one of these two numbers. My name is Mike Schmidt, as you heard, and my number is 772-260-6120. 772-260-6120. The other text number is Gary Jones's number. His is 772-260-6220. 772 260 Six two two zero. So those are the two. No, no.
1: we didn't do that on purpose. No, they did. We didn't
0: do that on purpose. Just we got those numbers probably around the same time, unbeknownst to each other. About about as far back as Nextel, when Nextel (laughs) through Motorola began rolling in here, approaching
1: twenty five years at least.
0: Yes, we we both got numbers around the same time. My I got on my brother's contractor network through Nextel, and Gary got on the engineers network at Pratt. I imagine, and so anyway, our numbers are very similar. And we live fairly near each other also. But in any event, you can text those two numbers uh, today or during the week about the show or anything else that's on your mind. Anytime, just write them down. We'd be glad to hear from you. If you'd like to respond in some way or ask questions through email, we have a very simple email address, justchristians at att.net. One word, justchristians at att.net. So that's how you get a hold of us. That's how you reach us, and we'd be glad to hear from you. Now, I, I don't know if we would have mentioned it in the show before this or not, because that hasn't happened yet. I'm, I'm a, not a prophet in advance, but uh, and Gary and I don't often sit down and plan out all the topics and words we're going to speak in these shows together. What do
1: you mean not often? We hardly <laughs> we, we ever never do. And
0: there's <laughs> a reason for that. Partly is because uh, I want it to be fresh and you know, kind of both of us have l- responding to something openly and and cleanly without rehearsing it, it it wouldn't sound the same. So when you hear a reaction on this show from us, and even if we disagree, you're getting uh, pretty much what we really think about it because it's not rehearsed that way. Uh, Today we did talk about this subject though because we got uh, a couple of questions. A fellow has been listening to the radio show and asked me a couple of questions. Uh, not, Not a member here, but asked me a couple of questions that we want to deal with um, in the next week or two Now we may have already dealt with one last week I don't know But he asked me First of all about instrumental music Why we here at Savona Boulevard Do not use instrumental music in our worship And I corrected it to say Well what you mean is We do not use mechanical instrumental music in our worship Yes that's what he means So we'll, we'll discuss that another time uh, Unless we have plenty of time today And I don't know that we will The other question that he asked was that's a good question, by the way, and we're glad to talk about it. We've talked about it before on the show, but we're glad to talk about it again. Secondly, and I'll say this, that's one of the things you'll notice when you come to our worship service. We invite you to our worship service. You, you'll you'll notice that we just all sing, and, and so you might be taken aback by that. There's no band. We don't we do not do a performance or anything like that here. It's
1: called a cappella. We all
0: just sing, yes. And, and which,
1: it, which means what, Mike? From In, the head from, of the church, or from yeah, the head. Earth. Right, that's what it means. Well, that and it's... That been that way for millennia.
0: Right, it was long that al- was that way long before there was instrumental music in churches, even the Catholic Church. But but anyway, um, we'll talk about that the, the another time. The other subject he asked about was specifically relating to Acts two thirty eight.
1: You want to read that, Mike? Well, let, me, let me pull
0: it up here. I, I wasn't ready. I was looking. at Acts two thirty eight. You got in front of you? Yeah, right. Then right, Peter.
1: Right. This is the New King James. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call.
0: Okay. So his question was, yes, he agreed that you should repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He agrees with that which is what I think is obvious because that's what the church teaches. That's what the scriptures here teach. And then he says, and it says, and you shall receive not only remission of sins, but and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So his point was, I don't think you believe that people today receive the gift of the Holy Spirit like they had in the time of the apostles. And by that he means that the holy spirit is still performing miracles through the hands of believers today or through believers today and so that he doesn't see us in our services having a healing service where we i'm going up there and i'm laying my hands on people and they're being healed in the service and so since he knows we don't do that we must not believe that we receive the gift of the holy spirit i don't i don't want to put words in this mouth, but that's the impression i got we we discussed this for briefly so the question is First of all, what does it mean here to say that not only will you receive remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? What does that mean in Acts 2.38? And there's some other references to this here in the book of Acts. And that brought, opens up the broader subject of what, what about healing today or miracles? does Is God doing the same kind of miracles that we see in the Bible today? Should we expect to find apostles in churches working miracles like you see sometimes on TV? Should we see that in the church today? What about that? Well, we'll talk about that. that the doc, There's two, way, two kinds of Christians in this sense in the religious breakdown of Christianity. I don't know about other religions. There are cessationists, and non-cessationists. Some churches or denominations classify themselves as cessationists. That is, they don't believe in the miraculous gifts of the apostles that they've been passed on to the present day. Others are non-cessationists and that they believe that these gifts have not ceased. The word cessation, cessation has come from ceasing. That they have not ceased and that we can expect to see in churches today the same miraculous gifts at during the time of the apostles done by the leaders of churches. So we don't consider ourselves a denomination because we're simply following the text of the New Testament and not some historical denominational creed, among other reasons. But we would be classified for the sake of religious classification. Gary and I would be, can't say everybody in the church here because I don't know, but Gary and I would be classified as cessationists. We believe that the miraculous gifts as outlined in the early part of the New Testament have ceased as they was prophesied in First Corinthians chapter 13. Now, we're not going to get into that quite yet because Gary, I think Gary wants to talk about this <laughs> business of the Holy Spirit here in Acts 2.38, correct? Well, What do you think that means? How would you approach this subject?
1: Well, I think you you have to look, at least in part, to uh, what do I get directly from the text? Uh, We've been talking a lot about that relative to the, but directly from the text, what are the choices that you would have directly from the text? And the text is somewhat indirect in that you could have the idea of receiving the Spirit in whatever form, They received it at that time, probably manifesting in miraculous events, as we would talk to it, things that we see in the text. Or you could receive a gift that is from the Holy Spirit that is directly to you that has some other effect. That's
0: that's one way of putting it. Grammatically, in the Greek text, there's no where to... No way to tell whether this is more of a whether, objective or subjective. Whether it's use the spirit the itself,
1: gift. or whether it's a wow. gift that the spirit brings.
0: People assume when they read this that when it says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, since we don't use this kind of idiom very much in our modern English, that that would mean that the gift is something the Holy Spirit gives you. So when I say you, I was teasing Gary before the show. I said, "So if I say to someone." If you come to my house you'll receive the gift of Mike Now does that mean that when you come to my house I'm going to give you a gift that I bought for you but most likely something from my garage maybe something, something undefined or something undefined I'm going to give you a gift a gift of Mike or as we would say in more modern English Mike's gift is Mike's gift now gift of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's gift are grammatically equal. There's, You can't find any English teacher that would tell you they're not grammatically equal. They're the same thing in the Greek usage here. So is the Holy Spirit here the gift or is it something the Holy Spirit gives? So one interpretation says that this means that the Holy Spirit is the gift, that when you're baptized, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. I think you can show that from other scriptures in some way. Well see that was okay. my
1: point. Now to find out what that really is, now we have to go to other scriptures right. that is that gives us the consistency or, between this Or at
0: least you can say you think it's this. Or is this whole or is the gift of the Holy Spirit salvation that once you receive because he's been talking about salvation all through this chapter. Save yourselves, it says, from this crooked generation is the next verse, verse forty, I should say. So is that is salvation the gift that the Holy Spirit brings you. Well,
1: I would say I salvation say is possible. Re- related to what? John twelve forty eight. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So what determines our
0: salvation? The word that Jesus Well, spoke. yes, whether we've obeyed it. So he's telling him here, you do what God says and you'll receive remission of sins and you'll receive then you've been... He's already mentioned the Holy Spirit because it fell on them from the prophecy. It was prophesied in the book of Joel and so forth. On the At least it fell on the apostles early in this chapter.
1: Which Peter says this is that when he quotes it. So from the Joel. truth is
0: there's a good case be made from this verse. You can make either case by itself, standing alone, you can make the case that the gift is the Holy Spirit or the gift is something the Holy Spirit gives. And grammatically you can't tell the difference you can only tell the difference in some other way no. so what what are you you want to move on from this so go Well on no from what that.
1: I want to say is this and, and I'm just trying to show this from scripture basically we just said that our salvation depends upon the word of Jesus because that's what's going to judge us we have to obey that now I want you to turn to John 14 and what Jesus tells the apostles in John 14 These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. The words that he's spoken will judge us. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said. And they wrote it down. Right. So that is what, what they wrote
0: down is a gift of the
1: Holy Spirit. Right.
0: So there's a way to look at both these possibilities from this verse. When you go down a little bit further in this chapter, in verse 41 it says that, that those who gladly received his word were baptized and about 3,000 souls were added to them. And it goes on to say, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That's what you're saying. Yes. In breaking of bread and in prayers, and then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The ones doing the miracles and signs at the beginning of the church were not if if the Holy Spirit was given to every one of these people that were baptized, and therefore they could all do miracles. If that's what you say is true, that's not what this verse is saying about the early church
1: and it's he will, only
0: the apostles were doing these miracles. And
1: he will teach you who is the you in John 14:26, it's the apostles when you go back and right. look at it.
0: Now then, what we see, Well, oh, go ahead, you're not finished with this, I don't think, Gary. So no, no, I,
1: I'm I'm that. done. I'm ready to go into we understand I think we should understand at this point what the possibilities are in looking at that scripture. Now let's now let's look at how it's presented to us, how it played out. Within the first century.
0: Okay. Where do you want to go next then? I have well, a place in mind, but where well, do you want right to go? Well, go right ahead. Let's let's well, start. Well, I, I was going to go stay in the book of Acts briefly, and there's a pl- several places you can go, but when you go over to uh, Acts 19, you see that...
1: Uh, that was the first scripture I had up.
0: Okay. You go to Acts 19, you find Apollos becomes a teacher. Apollos was not an apostle, but he was an eloquent man, Acts 18:24. And he came to Ephesus and so forth. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, but he only knew the baptism of John. And so he's taken aside by Quill and Priscilla and taught the way of God more accurately. And he came to Achaia, refuting the Jews. And it says in verse 19, as it happened, Acts 19.1, While Apollos was at Corinth, that's a Greek city, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We don't think about the Holy Spirit. So here are some disciples, he calls them, but hadn't received the Holy Spirit. And they said to them, do what then when you're baptized? He said, "Into John's baptism. So Paul said, indeed, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying that people should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 in all.
1: And that's verse
0: 6. Now, now here's the point you make about that. Oh, well, you connect up the baptism with, with the spiritual gifts. No, those are two separate things. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then after an apostle laid their laid his hands on them, then they could then they received the Holy Spirit in a much more direct sense. Well, in, okay? A, okay. in the direct sense of perhaps they being spoke able to in tongues, and they and spoke prophesy. in tongues and did miracles or prophesied. Now, then, uh, you have a case of. Yeah, it says
1: a, it even says and now the men were about 12 in all. There's so, 12 of those. The,
0: now then when you go over to um you go back a verse go back a little bit in the book. But I think I got ahead of myself just a little bit. I,
1: I Well, that was it, the first one I had I had
0: it written down incorrectly. But go to the book of Acts, uh, verse uh, chapter 8. H- here is a case where
1: we're talking about Simon.
0: Simon, yes.
1: That's verse 18 and 19. Yes,
0: but it starts off uh, talking about the fact that uh, multitudes had seen Philip. Philip came down to the city of Samaria, it says, in verse 5 of Acts 8, and preached Christ to them. And then multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Why? Why did they heed the words spoken by Philip, seeing and hearing the miracles which he did? Okay. For the unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and the lame were healed. So here's power being done by one who had his hands laid on by the apostles. And there was a great joy. There's a certain man named Simon in that city who had previously practiced sorcery, astonished the people of Samaria, claiming he was someone great. And they gave heed to this man saying, this man has the great power of God. And they they heeded him because he had astonished them with sorceries for a long time. In other words, he was faking them out. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. When they saw these miracles that Philip was doing, now they really were impressed. And Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon any, any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that verse say? That verse says, here are people that have been baptized for the remission of their sins, but did not have the Holy Spirit in this miraculous sense. Okay. And, and here's a man that can here's a man with them, Philip, who can do miracles, but so, he can't he can't give them this gift. Philip has received the gift,
1: but, but then I'll
0: ask you, Mike, what
1: was Philip telling them? Philip was telling them the Word of God, the Word of Jesus. And they receive that upon baptism,
0: right? They receive that. That may be another way of saying they receive the Holy Spirit, but yes. that's not the what. That's not the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit, because here are people that were baptized, they can't get the Holy Spirit, okay? And so they end up having to send for an apostle, Peter and John, to come down, and when Peter and John get there, they take these men who had been baptized already and laid their hands on them, and they received the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit. So this, that's why the next verse says that when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered the money, saying, Give me this power also, anyone whom I lay my, ha- my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, and so forth. Now there's a lot in this verse. But here's the point for this discussion. Here are some men who, had, who heard the preaching of Philip, were baptized, received the remission of their sins, became a Christian, and so forth, and in one sense perhaps received the Holy Spirit, but they did not receive what people commonly call the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think that's what I, my friend who listens to the show was talking about. He thought, well, since it says that you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2.38, when you're baptized, that you should now receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, meaning be able to do miracles but here are men in the new testament who were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by Philip an evangelist but he did he had the power himself to do miracles he was already he was doing miracles that's why people believed him but he could not pass those miracles on he couldn't give them to anybody else he had to call for an apostle Peter and John to come down to samaria and when Peter and John and the apostles laid their hands on them, they received this miraculous power. And that's why when Simon saw it, he said, well, I want that power to lay my hands on people and give them the gift. So this should disabuse you of the notion that, this, that every reference in the New Testament to receiving the Holy Spirit means receiving the gift to do miraculous powers. Or and especially to disabuse you of the notion that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to pass that gift along. Now, I know I'm lecturing Gary, but well,
1: I I would make an insert
0: something because I'm going to go to another verse.
1: Well, I'd make an observation at this point. The observation is: What did those receive? That what was? What did all of them receive? All of them received the Word of God. All of them received. What Jesus said was necessary for salvation, all of them received what the what the what the apostles and those who understood and knew of jesus 's word, so they received the Word of God, okay right, but they did not receive necessarily at some point the miraculous gifts
0: right and that 's very clear here here we have Christians who have been baptized and been saved, but that did not receive these gifts, and so therefore. They had to have an apostle come lay his hands on him. Now then, so that we know, we know something for certain if you believe the New Testament, that the gift of doing miracles, miraculous signs and wonders, was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands, and that people who did not receive the laying on of the apostles' hands could not receive the gift. They could receive baptism And they can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in a general way like you're talking about, meaning the word and the benefits of the word. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. But it certainly doesn't mean that they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in the sense of being able to do miraculous signs and wonders.
1: So what does this mean about Acts 2.38? It It means if you consider that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, everyone who is baptized they received the word. If, right. if you understand the you as being only a few, then yes, there are a few that received through the apostles' hands the miraculous ability. Right. So the, the gift Spirit. of the
0: Holy Spirit does not necessarily mean the gift to do miracles. And right. tried, we have some. There are some other things that the Holy Spirit is said to do in the, among Christians and shed abroad in our hearts that have nothing to do with miracles as such, performing signs and wonders and all those kind of things. Now, this relates then, I believe, as to why I believe uh, that gifts have ceased in the modern era. Let me make this, ar- I'll make the argument and we'll go to 1 Corinthians. No, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 first.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, let's go
0: to thir- 1 Corinthians 13 first, and I'm going to make a statement about that. And yeah. you see if this doesn't fit this pattern of how the Holy Spirit miraculous powers, how the Holy Spirit's miraculous gifts were given.
1: Now, what's the implication of the only way that these powers are passed on is through the apostles' hands? What's the implication of that, Mike? Well, the implication is that when the
0: apostles are gone, the the, gift isn't passed on anymore. That's right.
1: Okay, so it's going to
0: die because it's not passed on.
1: It's going to die when those that it was passed on to through the apostles finally die. It's going to be gone.
0: Right. Uh, So he, he, he tells them here, if you go back into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about that God has appointed in verse 28, First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. God's appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Well, I thought oh, if, you got, if you were a Christian, you got the gift of the Holy Spirit to do miracles. Paul says very clearly, no, not all do. Do all have the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. You see, so he's saying not everybody receives the same gift, nor do they receive all the gifts. And I think in other verses, you might say some receive none of these gifts. But he says, I'm going to show you a better way than these spiritual gifts. And he goes on to talk about, that's where you have the famous passage on love then. About if I don't peak with the tongues of men and angels, but don't have love, I become a sounding brass, so forth. Goes on to talk about how love never l- loved suffers long and is kind and i de- oh, I'm not going to read all this for sake of time. But he says uh, love in verse seven. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, see the Corinthians really, really were interested in these spiritual gifts. They were fighting over them. Who had the best gifts? Who could do the best miracles? Who had the most? Who had the biggest gift of the Holy Spirit? They were fighting over them like people do today. They were jealous of each other. They were coveting these spiritual gifts in a way that was very unhealthy. And Paul's trying to show them, as he calls it, not my words, his words, a better way, more superior. He says more excellent way. So he says, love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, the miraculous gift of prophecy, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, the speaking in tongues. They will cease. They will cease. Whether there is knowledge, that's the miraculous gift of knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. Now he's, comparing, he's comparing speaking in tongues and using these spiritual gifts as being a child. When I was a child... I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He says, "For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face." So when you're looking when you're looking at through at spiritual gifts, you're only seeing dim things because you don't have everything you need. But later there's going to be a face to face encounter. For I know in part, but then I shall be known. Just as I am known now, then what does mean? The, the provocative verse is. Verse uh, thirteen. Verse thirteen.
1: And now abide. Well, it's not provocative.
0: It? That's the concluding verse. Okay. Go ahead.
1: And now abide faith, hope, love; these three, but the greatest of these is love.
0: Right. The, the verse I was referring to is in is verse ten, eight, nine, and ten. When that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What's he saying? He says whatever he's calling. In part, pieces, the word part means pieces, is going to be done away. And that's the miracles, the gifts of healings, the gift of miracles, the gift of miraculous knowledge, and all these gifts, they're all going to be done away. All gifts presented by the Holy Spirit to certain people in the early churches, they are considered to be inferior to that which is coming. And he says what's coming is what's called that which is perfect. Now, people want to make that, carry when Jesus Christ comes again. But Jesus Christ is not called a that in, in his lifetime. He's not a that. He's a who. Well, the
1: definition. It doesn't say who. The lexicon definition of that word perfect there is in Strong's, it's, I believe it's teleos. Telios.
0: yes. It means T-l-e-os. complete or perfect or whole.
1: It means complete so, in various applications of labor, growth,
0: mental support, so on. It's not talking about a person, it's not talking about the second coming in the context. It means it has all of its parts. Yes in, con- in context it's saying this age of doing these miracles and the Holy Spirit giving this miracle to this person, this gift to this person, this power to this person, those are part things. There's a time when all of it will be together and that's when that which is complete will come. So you have a picture, picture it like this the word part in Greek here mirus means a segment or a piece. So, if I call domino's tonight and have them deliver a pizza to my house with my grandkids and everybody there, and you, and you were to take a video camera and set it up over the pizza, open the box up, you got a whole pizza. And you film it over the course of the next few minutes, you'll see all these ha- all these hands reaching in and you'll see the pieces disappearing. Okay, and you got nothing left in a few minutes.
1: Yeah, reverse that, the now reverse. Now put it
0: in reverse. Put it in reverse, and see the video of the hands putting the pieces all in, and then you got the whole piece. This is exactly the usage of the Greek words here: of that which is in part versus that which is complete. It is the pieces given by revelation, by knowledge, by miracle, by prophecy? During the Apostolic Age, these pieces of knowledge that were given to one apostle, one person, one prophet, all those pieces were finally put in place. And what we have then is what James calls the perfect law of liberty. We have the scriptures completed at the end of the first century and then all compiled not that many years later. And so you have that which is, even at the end of the first century, all these books were circulating among all the churches so that all began to have access to the written word, which was not dependent upon miracles per se, but could be read by anybody in the common language. That's the perfect that God is talking about. Now that fits perfectly, as I should not be a pun, but that fits perfectly with the statement of the idea, I should say, that by the time the apostles all died and then you have a half a generation more of the people that they had laid their hands on who had these miraculous powers, they all died, these gifts cease. Which really brings up the pur- point, Gary, What's the, what was the purpose of these miracles? Was the purpose of these spiritual gifts just to heal the sick See, that's the impression you get today listening to modern Christians and Pentecostals talking. The purpose of the gifts was to heal all the sick or it was to uh, uh, you know uh, make sure we don't have any financial troubles or the other gifts that are given. Relief suffering. Relief suffering in some way. That was not the purpose of the spiritual gifts. It was not the purpose of the miracles that Jesus did while he was alive. It wasn't the purpose of the miracles the apostles did. If the purpose of the miracles... In Jesus' day was to heal the sick. Jesus did a lousy job. Now, I say that not sacrilegiously, but in argumentative way. Well, it was a failure. He did a lousy job, or he was a failure because he didn't heal anywhere close to all the sick. And he could have. Could Jesus have healed all the sick? Of course course he he could, could. But he didn't. He only healed those or it became a sign to those around him so they would listen to the words he was speaking it was the words that were the important part of what the Holy Spirit was doing. These miracles were a secondary part of what the Holy Spirit was doing. It was the words of Jesus that were the important part, the word of God. When the apostles came on the scene, he gave them this power. So that it could he said of Paul, you may doubt my words, but he says, when I was with you, I did the signs of an apostle when I was with you. Paul claims that among the Corinthians. Well,
1: Jesus, Jesus puts this in words and very succinctly, Mike. He said in, in Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. It's, it'll, it'll depart a little bit, but then he says it exactly what you're saying here. And he gives an example of it. He says, then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes and Pharisees said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, why do you think evil in your thoughts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? Watch now. But that you may know that the Son of God has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And what happened? He arose
0: and departed. So, so the it was done so so they could see outwardly that he had the power, power. to do something inwardly
1: that's exactly what that's exactly right. what their purpose was right. and
0: so the purpose of the miracles was to show that the people that were preaching were carrying out and were speaking the words of god in, in mark 16. Uh,
1: well, it says in verse eight, and now the multitudes saw it, and they marvelled and glorified God, who had given such power to
0: right. men. So, and and therefore, many of those people believed. In, in Luke sixteen, verse sixteen, verse uh, uh, nineteen, where after Jesus tells them to, um, well, here let's read the whole thing. Luke sixteen. Luke sixteen, verse fourteen. Later, he Jesus. This is after the resurrection. He appears to the eleven as they sat at table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. But he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly... It will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So these are the signs. And then it says, so then after the Lord had spoken these things, he was taken up into heaven and sat down up into the right hand of God, or received up into heaven, set down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs.
1: Now what was that reference again, Mike?
0: That was Luke 16, verse about 12 down through 20. Verse 20 is a salient verse that they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the signs that followed them. Something's wrong with that
1: reference. I don't have that. Well,
0: because you probably have a New American Standard you're looking at. No,
1: I'm looking at New King James. Luke 16.
0: Um, did I say Luke? I, my apologies. Mark 16. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought, All right. I, I, thought okay. I said Mark the first time. I no, no, I, mean, I said you, Luke. You said second. Luke because I, I was looking up a verse in Luke a Okay, ago. so Mark okay. 16. I apologize. Okay. Thank you for pointing that out because uh, it's like right there. But um, now, some people dispute this passage. But that's another whole issue. But it says here clearly that that the signs that they did would confirm the words. And look at what the signs were. That they'll cast out demons, they'll speak new, with new tongues. They will new languages, it says. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, or by no means hurt. So there are people today that try to take up these serpents and they tend to get bit. okay? That's why it's not real popular because they tend to get bit. And drinking of poisons, there have been people that have tried to drink poisons because they had the word. They were, they were God's apostles. Well, they died. Uh, and that's why you don't see this in most churches. That you'll hear people talk about believing in miracles today, believe in present-day miracles. Oh, yeah, I believe God works miracles. Well, then drink some poison.
1: Pick, up a, pick
0: up a rattlesnake. Pick, huh? pick up a rattlesnake, handle these cobras. See, they only believe in miracles up to a point. My point is, yes, God does amazing things, but he doesn't do these signs today. That's the point we're making. Maybe we should make that clear right now, Gary, in the middle of the show here. We're not saying that God doesn't do anything today that could be called miraculous in the vernacular sense of the word or amazing. We're not saying that God does not heal the sick. I believe we hand out a prayer list at every one of our services here, with people on there that are sick and having surgeries and have cancer, and we tell the people here every week, pray for these people that they might be healed. Pray for them. Pray for them. You see, and and we're also asking them to go do something for these people. So we believe that God works, and He works in answering prayer today. Do we believe that these people will be healed in the same way that the Peter healed the paralytic? when someone's speaking over him and laying his hands on
1: him or jesus in, Ma- in matthew uh, yes. 9 and,
0: and when i as a as a, a preacher go out and pray for someone that i can expect that they're going to they're going to have their limb restored they had their arm cut off in a car accident and i can go to the hospital and pray and i should expect that that arm's just going to pop right back on there just like it did like jesus healing malchus's ear i don't believe that those kind of miracles are happening today and I can tell you several reasons. One of them is because I believe, not because I don't believe God can do that. God can do that. That's not the question. The question is, will he do that? And he's told me that those miracles, that kind of miracle, especially ones working, working through apostles or men's hands, were done for the confirming of the word. The word has been confirmed by the miracles which were done in the first century. It doesn't need confirming again. And so it was confirmed by that word. The, it's complete or perfect. That's why we keep calling you back to follow that word. And yet you should still be praying without ceasing that God would work in your life and do things. But you know, should I bring it up here this website I've mentioned before? It's so, people, I know people hate me doing this. I've done it a couple of times. People just hate me doing this. Gary, and Gary probably doesn't like me either for this. There's a website out there you can look it up. It's called God hates amputees. Or why does God hate amputees? And now this guy that puts it out is an unbeliever. He doesn't believe in God. And he really thinks that these Pentecostals out here claiming that God does the same kind of miracles that they did in the Bible. Said, so isn't it funny that all these people have all these illnesses and maladies, cancer and tumors and headaches and, and arthritis and all this stuff that God they can heal. Isn't it funny that God hates amputees so much that you just never see him restoring somebody's arm or leg back to their body? Why is that? You know, why is that? Well, he says it's because God doesn't exist. I have a different answer, a scriptural answer. It's because God doesn't work these same miracles the same way. Did God restore people's limbs in the New Testament? withered limbs, amputated ears. And the old. And and the old, he did this. He did it by the power of the Holy Spirit as a sign to those people for believing the word or believing the word of a prophet, most specifically. And so today, he doesn't work that way because we have the word that's been confirmed by the miracles. Yes, God works in the world. You should pray. You should pray without ceasing. And God will, God, but... the other thing you have to understand is that God says no sometimes. and You know, no is an answer. I told my friend that the other day. I said, here's the problem that people have. They want an answer to prayer. And I said, "They always, people always get an answer to prayer. I have never had an unanswered prayer, Gary.
1: Well, it was the answer. The problem is sometimes it, it, the answer is no. The answer wasn't what you
0: wanted. was what, what I wanted, so that's called an unanswered prayer. God says no to a lot of prayers, maybe most prayers for all I know. He says, "Wait to other prayers," or he says, "Just wait and I'll do better than that."
1: What did Garth That's Brooks what say? Know. What did Garth Brooks sing about unanswered prayers?
0: Yeah, I hate that song because Garth Brooks is a terrible, misbegotten, uh, <laughs> alcoholic, drug addict. You know, and he's going to talk to me about unanswered prayer. Oh, sorry, shouldn't say those kind of things on the air. What? What? There, God answers prayer. Sometimes he says, "Wait, I guess what I pray for today is God. Here's what I want, but I know that you're going to do even better than that." Okay, I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping that God listens to the things I pray for and says, "Well, you know, Mike, I, I got I got something much better than that in mind. Just hang on, okay?" And, and I believe that that's the case. So I don't. Oh. It's not that I don't believe in prayer. Gary and I both believe in God working. We do not believe that, and we have scriptural reason to believe. That there are, this preacher on the TV or the radio or down down in Miami in a auditorium is not actually healing people the way the apostles did. There's been research on that. There's been absolute research shown that these people that show these recoveries and throw away their crutches in a few months, they're right back where they were, if not worse. And you can look up the studies if you want to. So not only do we have scriptural evidence, we have empirical evidence that these things are not true. That's where we have it.
1: Uh, I'd like to go back to verse 13 for a minute. Right. He says, now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these are lo- is love. I, I looked at what the Greek uh, lexicon said about that abide. And it's actually the definition, the first The first definition in Strong's of that word is to stay. Yeah.
0: In a given place, to be put where it is. It is to
1: stay. So if these other things are going to pass away, what is going to stay? And that's faith, hope, and love.
0: Well, see, here's another argument against this idea that the perfect in the verses above that. In verse 8 and 9 and 10, that when that which is perfect is come, these gifts will be done away. Oh, that's Jesus Christ because he's the only thing that's perfect. Well, guess what? When Jesus comes again, there won't be any more hope. And there won't be any more faith. There won't need any faith or hope. So Jesus coming is not what's being talked about because he says that that now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest is love. So when Jesus comes again, there won't be any faith and hope and that's when the that's when these gifts will pass away it doesn't fit the context yeah if it just I, doesn't work in the context if
1: i if i replace abide with exactly what he quotes out of the lexicon it would read and now stay faith hope love these three but the greatest of these is love and
0: he means that the miraculous gifts are not We're going to, to stay, stay okay He's
1: he's contrasting what's going to go away to what's going to stay. And they're
0: not going to stay during a period of time when faith, hope, and love are existing or abiding. Faith, hope, and love are staying, and during that time that they're staying, the gifts are going to cease and go away. So I know that that which is perfect is not Christ. It's the ending of this revelation in part. That's the context. This revelation through the Holy Spirit, piece by piece, part by part of God's will, during New Testament days, that was going to go away. and that, that's, the, that's the childish thing that he says. I'd get away with childish things. That's the seeing dimly he talks about in that chapter. Uh, but when everything is there, it's going to be a perfect law of liberty. And James tells me, look into the perfect law of liberty and see the truth.
1: If that word is translated in other places, continue, right. endure, remain, all of those with the idea of a contrast between faith, hope, and love, and these things he's saying are going to disappear. Right.
0: So wh- there's a. I have this real long article here. Questions that cessationists should ask, and, and it's by Charles Powell, and I don't know this person, but uh, he said he he quotes this uh, at the beginning of the book. Um by a man named Jack Deere, must be John Deere's brother,
1: <laughs> but Jack
0: Deere, uh, who, who believes that these gifts are continuing today. So this is a non He And he makes a good interesting point. He says, if you, were to look at a, if you were to lock a brand new Christian in a room with a Bible, tell him to study what the scriptures have to say about healing and miracles, he would never come out of the room a cessationist. Elsewhere he writes, no one ever just picked up the Bible, started reading, and then came to the conclusion that God was not doing signs and wonders anymore.
1: Mike, can I interrupt you for just a minute? I disagree with those statements. I disagree with those statements.
0: Well, I know, but I I disagree with them too. I think he's saying, though, that it's not an obvious thing that people would come up with. And I don't think think it's an obvious conclusion. But there's probably ten other things that the Bible teaches that are true,
1: That are not not obvious obvious
0: to the casual reader, to a new Christian, aren't there? Yes. So this argument fails on that basis alone.
1: Yes, and and I just have to say that basically if you sit down and study the Scripture as God, what does he say in in the Hebrew letter? He says, without faith it is impossible to please him, but one who believes in him must come to him, believing that he is a rewarder of those who, what? diligently seek him. See, I, see, you've got to look right. diligently to this.
0: I can say this. I can almost guarantee you that this fellow who believes in these miraculous powers, I can say the same thing. You can never put a person, and I have experience with this, you can never take a new Christian or, or a person who doesn't know some particular doctrine, put him in a room with the Bible, and have them come away with the idea that you don't have to be baptized in water to be saved. Yes. Every one of them will come away with the idea you've got to be baptized in water to be saved. But he doesn't believe that. Because it, he'll say, "Well, it takes more study than that. You got to look deeper." Well, that's the same thing I'm saying here, but but the casual, Sorry, I, I just had. No, to, no, I, I, I think it's right though. I think what he's saying. I don't dis, I disagree with the statement, but I I don't disagree that a person who does a casual reading would come away with the. That's why it's easy for people to believe these fellows that claim they're doing Bible miracles, because one thing, people that would listen to them have faith. So have have all? Haven't all of us? known of some person or something in life that was amazing that happened, someone that got hit by a car that we were told was going to die and they we prayed for them and they lived. Haven't we all had situations that are 10 times more of where things have happened that haven't gone according to what was thought to happen, but because people were praying for them, we believe, we associate that with it, that they were healed or this happened or that happened. Yes, we've all had. So it's easy for us to believe that these miracles exist. The other problem we come into, Gary, it goes back again to another. And this is part of this issue. This, we're, going all, we're not really going all over the place. We're attacking this from several vantage points. And that's the definition of a miracle. Today we call it the miracle of childbirth. Well, in the Bible sense of the word, in the way it's used in the Bible, childbirth is not a miracle. Okay. It is a, it's by, the, well, you, you don't believe God is in, yeah, of course I believe God is in childbirth. I think God created a whole process. I'm not saying, see, they have the idea then that well, there's two ways. Either God had something to do with it and it's a miracle, or it, it's just a natural thing and God doesn't have anything to do with the natural world. You and I both believe, according to the Bible, that God has his hand all in the natural world. Everything we see involves God and his wisdom and his providence and his planning. And His He's got his hand working in the natural world. Not only
1: not only that, but he sustains it from a moment. He sustains
0: it. That's why he's all in the natural world. So it's not a matter of being in the natural world, no God there, or a miracle. But sometimes God changes those natural laws which he established, which things normally operate by, He does things outside of that or that are above that, beyond that. Or he exaggerates an effect in the natural world. He exaggerates the normal effect it would have and makes it ten times more. And so you get a flood or a storm or you get some other thing. Or maybe even exaggerates the healing that can occur when people are treated with various medicines. Which I I believe medicine doesn't come from man. I believe medicine comes from God. God created people and gave them the intelligence, told them, to, told them to subdue the earth. One way they do that is creating medicines and medical practices that save lives. This is all part of God's hand. So I'm thankful for every bit of that. I don't care whether it was the surgeon that did it, whether it was something the surgeon had nothing to do with, God is at work there. So that's another misunderstanding though. A miracle in the Bible sense is something that's outside the realm of nature that's done specifically in that case by the power of God above and beyond nature to demonstrate God's power. It goes along with a wonder, which the, the miracle creates in people a wonder or sense of awe because of what they just saw, and it becomes a sign to those who see it that the person who did it is indeed a, a spokesman for God. So wonders, signs, and miracles are the same event, but they're looking at the same event from three different vantage points. One's the nature of it; it's a miracle. Uh, the other, the the it, in, in doing so, it creates a sign, and it creates wonder or awe in people that see it. And, and there may be other. So that's the difference. Not everything that happens. So I do not use this word miracle, even when the Dolphins beat the Patriots. I don't say <laughs> that was a miracle. It, it might take the suspension of some natural laws in some cases, but. <laughs> <laughs> But, but on the other hand, you see what I'm saying, how we use that? Oh, the, the miracle on 34th Street, or, the, or a miraculous finish by the dolphins. Those, are, those may be common usages of the word. You might can find them in Webster's Dictionary, but you don't find them in a Bible dictionary. That's not what the word miracle means. Not only in definition, but in usage in the Bible. So be careful about that. When you talk about miracles, or when you hear people, people talk about miracles, you know, uh, so people say, well, it's a miracle. Judy, Judy, stayed with you for nearly 50 years. Well, okay. Do you mean that it's a wonder or do you mean that it's amazing? Do you mean that may have taken some help by God to get that done? Yes, but do you mean that God supernaturally kept me with Judy for 50 years or her with me for 50 years? That didn't happen. Okay, she's free to leave at any time. Please don't, but she's free <laughs> to leave at any time. But because it, what God had His hand in that. Don't misunderstand me. But it wasn't a miracle in the Bible sense. Now I know I just made a bunch of you mad out there by that. Just call, cool down for a moment. And think about what I said.
1: Well, while you're cooling down, I want to. I'm not. I'm not there's hotmailing. one 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 more aspect of these things that I encounter with our Pentecostal people more than anything else. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6, Paul talks to Timothy and he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Timothy received this miraculous (laughs) gift from Paul, an apostle. And he says, stir it up. Stir up this gift. What does that imply to you, Mike? It implies to me that Timothy had control of that gift.
0: Well, it's very, cl- yes, it, and it's very clear in some other passages. Here. Uh,
1: I was thinking of 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty-two. Yeah, that's
0: where I was going right now.
1: And, and he says, and Paul says, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets.
0: Very clear there. So this idea, in, and I've seen this, I've been in Pentecostal services, and I've seen heard them say that you just need to let go and let the spirit take you over. And then you can speak in tongues and all these things. 1 Corinthians, you want me to read it again there? 1 Corinthians 14. The spirits of the prophets are subject subject to the the prophets. prophets. And he's telling some of them that you can prophesy one by one, and when one of you is speaking, let the other one be silent. And sometimes, if if there are only two or three, some of them might even have a message they didn't get to say that time because there was more than three of them that had that message. But he says, you don't have to speak even though you have the Holy Spirit. So the idea that Pentecostals, almost everything modern Pentecostals do in their miracle services is in violation of 1 Corinthians 14. I know that's a, a whole lot of what they do. is so, in violation so of Corinthians 14.
1: Where I'm coming from this is what you need to do is compare Scripture to what you're observing these people are teaching and doing and decide is this consistent with Scripture because Scripture is what we need to be paying attention to. We need to be paying attention to that. And, and that's that's one of the points that I'm trying to make here. Uh, my mother-in-law, actually, uh, she's she's dead now, but she she told me in no uncertain terms, when the Spirit comes on you, you don't have any control. It does whatever well, the, you... Yeah, see, that's and, a
0: contradiction
1: of this verse. And it's a contradiction of both of these verses, exactly.
0: The, this word often translated miracle is the word dunamis, which in other... Doing a miss. I'm
1: sorry if I sidetracked. No, you didn't. That's
0: fine. I, I just wanted to. You made me think of this actually. That the word miracle means power, and, and it comes from the word dynamite here in Greek. And so sometimes you'll see, in depending on your translation, translates signs, wonders, powers, and it's emphasizing the fact that there is a person who is demonstrating power by what they do. So that's why John Hagee. When he heals somebody, if I think of or Benny Hinn, I should say, when he heals somebody, he slaps them on the forehead and knocks him backwards. He's trying to visually, visually create a sense of power that he's exerting. He's the one doing the miracle, showing power over these people. You see, and so therefore, uh, you have to question: Do does he really have that power? And that's what we are saying: He doesn't.
1: The, the so. account in in Matthew nine of Jesus and the paralytic indicates he simply did it with words.
0: Yeah, he didn't have to touch anybody. Even he didn't have to think he, about he, it. So.
1: He just he just spoke to them. And and go back. He to even, wasn't
0: even there in mo- in some cases like the centurion. Yeah, s- sort of yeah He says, you daughter, don't "Let it let, let it, it be done." done. yeah. Uh, so he and it doesn't depend on the faith of the person that was being healed. Man let down through the roof. It didn't say. It doesn't say he saw their faith, his faith. It says all the faith no, of his friends. Yes. and other cases like that. Here are people that that. Uh, anyway, we get into that's another whole issue about faith healing. Well, that, that's but Don't be let Don't be led astray by this, folks. And and uh, it opens up the broader subject of just what does the Holy Spirit do? Now we haven't touched on that. Gary and I are not disbelievers in the Holy Spirit. We are disbelievers in the individual people today having these miraculous powers of the Holy Spirit because they haven't had the apostles' hands laid on them. But and we're not and we're don't and we're do, so well. You don't believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit. The most prominent way the Holy Spirit manifests Himself today is through His written Word, which is this, which is what He left us. It's the Word, the very Word that Jesus Himself says is the Word, and then He sent His Spirit would come and reveal this word to us. He
1: will teach you all things and bring to your
0: remembrance all the things that I have said. So this is the word. We believe in the Holy Spirit, just not the way it's often portrayed.
1: Well, and what people don't realize is he said he will teach you all things. He taught them more things than what Jesus actually taught them when he was on earth. And
0: he said he would. Well, our time is gone today, and I appreciate you listening. Uh, You can listen again next week under PSL, and we hope that you will. Take a look at our website, wearejustchristians.com. And also, um, you can come and visit us 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. We'd love to have you at 10, 11, and 730 on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.